Major Garrett is CBS's chief Washington correspondent. He's the creator of the Takeout podcast. You hear that on WTMJ. An agent of betrayal. That's the Robert Hansen podcast that he's got rocking. Major, thank you so much for being with us. Great to be with you. Hey, before we run out of time, I'm scrolling through my mm-hmm. text here because I got to ask you this. Someone asked me to ask you this. Um, all right, here we go. I've been in the car for six hours and I got through all six episodes of Agent of Betrayal. I'm hooked. When does the seventh one come out and how many episodes <laughs> are there? There are eight episodes. The seventh episode will come out this Thursday. The eighth episode will come out next Thursday. So excellent. we can say to everyone, even those who haven't heard it at all, it's binge-worthy, and that's what Thanksgiving's for, kids. That's what Thanksgiving's for. <laughs> Catch up. Catch up now. It's Agent of Betrayal, wherever you listen to your podcast. All right. Craig Council goes to the Cubs. We were all shocked. Yeah. Baseball insiders were shocked. I texted you this morning. And I said, hey, mm-hmm. thanks for joining us today. What do you think of the council thing? And what did you say to me? Stunned. Absolutely stunned. Not because there was a bidding war for Craig Council. That's obvious. He's a tremendous talent. But that this deal was done so quickly that it was completely under the radar, that every really capable and aggressive baseball reporter had no inkling of it, was just amazing to me. and. Look, the Padres just lost their manager, Bob Melvin, to a in-division rival, the San Francisco Giants, but this is different. This feels to me, if you're a Brewers fan, even more intimate, more shocking, and more depressing. Um, and I heard your commentary before you went to break. And I think for Craig Council, even if the Brewers had matched dollar for dollar what the Cubs offered him, to your underlying point, he knew that the Brewers would be unable to match the Cubs dollar for dollar in personnel acquisition. So even if it had been the same amount for him, it wouldn't have been the same amount overall. And he went to a bigger team with a larger fan base and more money behind it. And this speaks to a persistent problem within the economics of baseball. Small and medium market teams can only compete for a couple of years and then they have to cycle back to being uncompetitive because they simply can't put the dollars on the table year in and year out. My Padres are going to deal with that in the very near future. And one of the reasons they're going to deal with that is because of the collapse of their regional sports network and the loss of $60 million in revenue. And all those regional broadcast networks, they're under stress because World Series ratings at a historic low this year. Overall TV ratings, more fragile. The economics of baseball for big market clubs remain solid, but for small and medium market clubs, much more tentative and tenuous. And this is an example of that phenomenon. And, and that's with a degree of revenue sharing implemented by yes. former Commissioner Bud Sealing. Hey, Major, I think it's interesting, too, and we talked about this on the program. It's a $10.8 billion industry, yet managerial salaries have dropped by nearly 50%. So, we know every manager in the league was was rooting for Craig to get as much as possible to try and raise the stakes for their own interests. No question, no question. And it is worth thinking about in a clubhouse and in a dugout if the guy sitting right behind the manager is making $30 million a year and the guy who's giving him orders is making $1 million a year, there's sort of a, a an imbalance there that isn't and ought not to be regimented or sort of baked in the cake, but it's hard to ignore. 
and it creates questions about, well, who's giving the orders here, and what orders do I really have to take? And mostly, baseball players respond well to a manager that they play for and like and are cohesive with. But the, let's say the imbalance of those ratios can play a part in overall clubhouse cohesion and the ability of a manager to manage effectively, give orders and expect them to be followed and followed routinely. Major Garrett is CBS's chief Washington correspondent. So major yesterday to switch gears here, former president Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is in court. It's like a big political rally. He's argumentative. He's belligerent. What did you make of Donald Trump in court and what impact that has on anyone who saw it or read about it? So we've had this conversation before writ large, but the specificity of this case in New York brings the point that I've always made home, which is people in court get smaller once they have to live within the confines of a court. And the confines of the court are process. What is the procedure organized by the judge and enforced by the judge? What are the facts and what are the law? Nothing else matters. And boisterousness or braggadocio or rally-like rhetoric works beautifully or can work beautifully in a political forum, but it doesn't work in the narrow confines of a courtroom. Trump doesn't like this case, but as the Attorney General Letitia James said over and over again, he can complain all he wants. The law is the law. The numbers are the numbers, and the facts are the facts. What Trump dislikes mostly about this case is that the facts paint a picture of his company that suggests it is routinely fraudulent, and he is finally, for the first time, being called on it. And that aggravates him, miniaturizes him, and in a large political context, there was polling over the weekend that shows President Biden maybe losing some support in the African-American community. One thing that will change that and change it pretty quickly is seeing Trump inside a courtroom using racist language about an African-American attorney general who stands up in front of the court and says, I'm doing what the law says. He can call me whatever he wants. He can bully me as much as he wants. But the facts are the facts and the law are the law. That kind of public perception of what's going on will have downstream political effects and they won't be beneficial to Trump. Hey, Major, the next debate is scheduled for Wednesday. It seems like the herd is mm-hmm. thinning a little bit here. Not as many participants sure. as we saw in Milwaukee and, of course, in debate number two. Trump, of course, remains on the outside of the debate process in looking in. My wonder is, because we've got sort of a, a thinning of the herd, it, is it ripe for anybody to really slice into Trump's lead here and, and gain some ground? So the real question tomorrow night will be, do DeSantis and Haley spend all of their evening going at each other, or does Haley, who has the advantage right now, who has a little bit of momentum, not a great deal of momentum, but more than she's had, focus on Trump? Does Haley sharpen her message about Trump and being the electable Republican and basically ignore DeSantis, or does she engage back and forth with DeSantis? I think it would be wiser for her to go after Trump and basically give DeSantis the back of her hand, because DeSantis has to attack her. DeSantis has to remind Republican voters that he's relevant, and the way he does that is to beat back this challenge from Nikki Haley. I think that's the only dynamic that matters on the debate stage tomorrow night. Major Garrett is CBS's chief Washington correspondent. Check out Agent of Betrayal. Go to Apple, go to Spotify, 
Go to CBS. Go wherever you can listen to this thing. It's incredible. Major, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much, John. Talk next week.